Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and hit winners. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on a 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an all-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago Sports Betting Show. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Hello? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. A pair of my favorite early odds guests for you guys this week, a Las Vegas bookmaker and an expert on the golf season's final major, the Open, which tees off on Thursday. First, some news. The Illinois Gaming Board has awarded a contract to Union Gaming Analytics out of Vegas to conduct a feasibility study for the Chicago Mega Casino. That was announced yesterday after missing Monday's deadline. A link to the full press release on my Twitter timeline, at Joe0670. Jeff Davis is the Director of Trading for Caesars Entertainment. He's on Twitter, at the underscore junkyard. And Jeff, on Thursday evening, the NBA flipped again. You have all these super duos teaming up in the Western Conference. Russell Westbrook to the Rockets. How did you guys react? Well, it kind of took us by surprise because there wasn't really much leading up in knowing where exactly he was going. Miami was mentioned. Uh, Detroit was briefly mentioned. And then he goes to the Rockets. So, you know, we turned the future market off for, say, five to ten minutes and sat and talked about what we wanted to do. Uh, We were dealing ten to one on the Rockets. Uh, We went to seven uh, originally, uh, raised the the Clippers up from seven to two to four to one, raised Golden State up to 13 to one from 11. Uh, bumped the Thunder up to 150. Uh, and then Alan Berg, one of the guys in the office, was so adamant about thinking that this trade actually makes the Rockets worse in that uh, Harden and Westbrook both want the ball and there's only one ball, and he's not sure how much better it makes this team. So we actually went to 7.5-1 to one, uh, just to see if there was any action. There hasn't been any action yet. On Houston at the seven and a half to one, and if we don't get anything in the next day or two, I would expect to be back at the ten to one number we were at uh, when this all went down. Obviously, you guys have to be paying attention twenty four seven. The NBA is keeping you on your toes, but is this great for some off season action? Well, it's phenomenal for the handle, and it's phenomenal for the long term of this future market. The NBA notoriously, at least for the last I would say five years 
does the least amount of handle in the futures of the four major sports. And a lot of that has to do with there being a super team and Golden State being minus $2 in the market at the start, you know, in the offseason. Now you look at the market, and there seems like there's, off the top of my head, eight or ten teams that can really win. Uh, the handle's been great so far, and I would assume uh, the way this is going, it's going to surpass the hockey uh, in terms of handle when all is said and done. Yeah, it's going to be fun. You could actually make an argument for six teams deep in the Western Conference that could win the title. Uh, something cool that I saw that you guys did at Caesars over the MLB All-Star break, a bit of a reset with the win totals. You did it with 10 teams, and the Cubs, you set at 86.5. Uh, tell me a little bit about that process. Yeah, we just thought that... You know, opening a few of the good teams during the break would be something. Maybe we could drum up a little extra handle in what is generally a dead time. Uh, We did some adjusted hockey wins uh, during the Christmas and New Year's break, so we thought this was a good idea. The Cubs is an interesting one. We opened at 86.5. We've taken money each way. We went up to 87.5, and and we're back to 86.5. So there's some conflicting opinions. You know, I think those betting over see the potential in the roster really to be excellent. The lineup is good. The rotation should be good. You know, and then you look at the people betting the under, and they see a division that is very competitive, four and a half games separating the top and bottom teams. You know, all of the other divisions in the league have one or two completely non-competitive teams for these good teams to beat up on in September. Uh, That's not the case here, so I guess that's uh, what would draw some under-interest on the Cubs. Yeah, no free wins in the second half. At least that's how it looks. And in a couple of weeks, all five teams in the division might be buyers. When setting that number at 86.5, did you guys look to the Cubs' second-half history over the last four years? They've dominated and then also take into the account you understand what Cubs fans are going to do? (laughs) No, you can't really look too much into the past because every team is is its own entity. And and putting too much past stuff or history into a number, it's just not going to lead you to the right number. So we came up with 86.5. We tossed around anywhere from like 85 to 89. And we came up with a number we thought would would be pretty solid, and it seems to be, given uh, there's bets on both sides. Any of these new win totals drawing a ton of action? Uh, yeah, the Nationals. Of all the teams, it's the Nationals. We opened 89.5, down to 88.5, and no one is, seems to buy over. We've been kind of higher on this team than most throughout the year. The bullpen has been nothing short of a dumpster fire, but it seems to have gotten better over the the last month or so, and they've got themselves in a playoff contention. Uh, The rotation is very good. The lineup is quite good. Uh, We think this team uh, is a 90-game winner. Yeah, and they're going to buy at the trade deadline. I've been a Nationals fan since the start of the season. Uh, it got bad for a little bit. I believe they got to as low as 12 games below 500, but they've righted the ship, and they're still in the mix. It'll be tough to catch Atlanta, but certainly a team to watch out in the National Leagues. So much I want to cover with you, Jeff, uh, with Jeff Davis, Director of Trading for Caesars Entertainment. Let's roll over to football. As far as I could tell, you would know better than me, but it looked like you guys have the lowest Bears futures odds that I've seen. We do, and it's just based on the just how much money comes in in all the sports for the Chicago teams. Uh, the Bears currently most bets written, most money uh, written 
on the Bears to win the Super Bowl. Uh, they're not our biggest liability because the price is short. Uh, that would be the Cardinals. They're 200 to 1, and that adds up really fast. But, yeah, they're our biggest liability in the NFC. They're our biggest liability in the Super Bowl, and that doesn't figure to change. It's like that with the Blackhawks each and every year, and it's like that with the Cubs each and every year. And you look back at, you know, the Bears' season last year, there's a lot of optimism uh, coming into this year. So it makes sense. And, frankly, there's no need for us to be any higher because the money just keeps on rolling in. Uh, The good news for uh, for the customer is when that happens, there's definitely an outlier price somewhere else in the market uh, where you can find some value. Bears fans aren't even shopping around. They're walking in the Caesars, they see the 8-1, to and they say, I'm all in, huh? Yeah, it's the way it's gone. And what's interesting is they're the favorite in the NFC North, plus $1.75, no interest. They're our biggest winner in the, the NFC North. It's rather bizarre. Is there a close second for bets and money? Yeah, the Browns. Uh, the Browns and number of bets. The Browns is kind of another public darling team this year. Uh, everyone high on Baker Mayfield. Add Odell Beckham. Nick Chubb looks like the real deal. Uh, the Browns are the team that the public is really getting behind from a ticket count. And then uh, this team with the second most money just behind the Bears is the Chiefs. And the, that a lot of that has to do with you know, we're at seven and a half to one on the Chiefs, and that's definitely the best price in the market. Uh, everywhere you look at six or seven. Uh, but again, at, at that price, you know, we're, we're in a good position there. You sent me about a dozen season props that you've got on the Bears, some with Trubisky, Mike Davis, Tariq Cohen, Ellen Robinson, up and down the board. Which props are drawing the most action? Well, it's two, and it's different. The, the one that's drawn the most action is Trubisky to win the MVP. Uh, we opened him 75-1. to 1. He's down to 30-1. to 1. And as far as his passing yards and touchdowns goes, we opened him 37-44.5 in terms of pass yards, 26.5 in terms of touchdowns. And we haven't taken any sharp bets one way or another on either of those two markets, which leads me to believe that those numbers are at least somewhat realistic. Now, if you look at what a typical MVP does, he's going to improve by, I would say, probably 30% over last year and do it without a real upper echelon wide receiver to have a chance to win the MVP. You know, I look at a lot of these bets on the board. At this point, it's got to be one of the worst bets on the board. And, take, you know, nothing against Mitch Trubisky. Guy looks like he could be a solid quarterback, but is he a guy that can throw for 4,800 yards and 40 touchdowns? You know, I'm not sure. Do you have a strong opinion on the Bears for this upcoming season? I know your win total's at 9, a heavy juice on the over at minus 140. Yeah, we actually got as high as minus 150, and this is the biggest sharp versus square season win we have. So we're kind of stuck with a minus 140 right now because anytime we go any higher, uh, the under money uh, from a sharper customer comes in. And I look at just how many takeaways they created last year, Mm -hmm. and there has to be some semblance of regression, uh, especially the fumbles. They forced 19 fumbles last year, and it seems to be to me one of the more random occurrences there is and I think that number that was in the upper 30s last year is going to come back down to the mid-20s and you know they've got somewhat of a committee at running back you know Allen Robinson could be really good but you know maybe he's more of a number two I just think given what their roster is 
what happened last year, the Packers and the Vikings both being very competitive. Uh, personally, I think there might be some regression coming. Jeff, I love that team takeaways prop that you guys set. Yeah, they had 36 last year, but the problem was I was all set to go under. The issue is you set it at 26.5. That's a good number because it's definitely going to go down a ton. Yeah, we set it there, and again, another one that hasn't taken any sharp action one way or another, uh, knowing and expecting there be some regression, uh, expecting the team to continually uh, average more than two takeaways a game is probably a bit you know, out of context, I guess you could say. Uh, the one prop that we put up that I look back and I'm like, man, we really didn't put up a good number here, uh, Mike Davis rushing yards, and we really wanted to do – at least one guy at each key position for every team. And it was a little bit difficult in Chicago because you have Cohen, you have Davis, and you have Montgomery, and you don't really know how, what Montgomery's usage is going to be. Uh, we opened Davis 499.5. He's down to 422.5. And, and this move has kind of caused us to steer clear of what I would consider completely gray situations. And I look at you know, the Bills with McCoy, Gore, and Yeldon, and then the Redskins uh, with Geis and AP. You don't really know what they're going to do. So, you know, we learned our lesson and did not open that running back props for situations like that. Yeah, it's tough to figure out because Matt Nagy has said he wants to use a bunch of guys, but then you go back a couple of years ago when he took over the play-calling duties in KC, he ended up using one guy, Kareem Hunt, when he was a rookie. Yeah, and then you look more, and what's interesting is Cohen being such a good pass catcher. Davis was a great pass catcher for Seattle last year. He caught 35 balls, you know, not being the guy on the field all the time. So, again, could it lead to a situation where Montgomery might get the lion's share of the carries? Yeah, possibly. All right, Jeff, I know you're a big hockey guy, so let's move to the Blackhawks. They are sick and tired of missing the playoffs and great seasons last year, even later on in the careers a little bit, for Kane and Taves, so they don't want to miss out on that window. And they got some Corey Crawford insurance. They bring in goalie Robin Leonard, and Andrew Shaw is also back. They're going back to that well, bringing back another former Blackhawk. What do you think about what the Hawks are doing? I'll give them credit for making an effort. They realize that keeping Crawford healthy is going to be difficult. The problem I see is less about the Blackhawks and more about the teams in that division. The Central is the best division in hockey right now, and and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Colorado looks to be the real deal. Grubauer really established himself as a number one last year. Uh, They're loaded on offense. Uh, The Blues don't figure to regress at all. Dallas improved a ton. Nashville and Winnipeg will still be around. I think it's it's another missed playoff year for the Blackhawks just because they struggled so much keeping the puck out of their own net last year. And Leonard, another, speaking of regression earlier, he's been a league for five years. He's had four subpar years. And then last year he was so far above what could be expected of him. There has to be some regression. While, again, I think the Blackhawks are going to be an entertaining watch Uh, I would still make them a solid favorite to miss the playoffs. His name is Jeff Davis. He's the director of Trading for Caesars Entertainment on Twitter, at the underscore junkyard. Jeff, terrific information. Thank you, as always. All right, guys. Take care. And you heard right there why sportsbooks have to pay close attention 
to all of the teams here because you guys are going to bet them. Let's get some intel on the golf season's last major. Another repeat guest to early odds is Spencer McElmoyle. He's on Twitter at SpennyMac84, loves to bet golf. And I noticed the other day that, Spencer, you haven't tweeted in a while. So I was imagining up in Canada, that means you you went underground and you've just been prepping day and night for the Open Championship. Is that accurate? That's very accurate, Joe. How are you doing? (laughs) Good. How are you doing? Pretty, pretty good. Yeah, it's still still a little heart uh, heartbroken from the uh, PGA Championship with Shane Lowry, but uh, for the miss and make cut parlay that would have paid off 155 grand. But oh. you know, we, we gotta we gotta bounce back. You don't live in the past. You gotta keep moving forward. So yeah, for those that don't know, you do a big make miss cut parlay, and you're setting up another one. For the final major, we'll get to that in just a second. A lot of the early odds listeners, Spencer, this is their first bit of research as they get ready for the British Open. What do they need to know about this course? Oh, we have the par 71, uh, 7,344 yards. They haven't played here since 2012 when the Irish Open was held there. Uh, Jamie Donaldson, minus 18, was the winner. Some uh, characters there that are familiar, uh, Rafa Cabrera-Bello was T2, McElroy T10, and Molinari T10. Uh, McElroy is a 16-year-old, one shot of 61 on this course, fewest bunkers in open history. This is the one tournament where I feel like I become a weatherman because I am just looking at the forecast over and over again. And the other day I, uh, I looked at the forecast. I'm like, okay, I see where the rain is coming, where the wind's coming. And then I go to the gas station, pick up the lottery ticket. I come home, I watch a little World Series of Poker, have dinner, <laughs> I go back, and the forecast has completely changed. The rain is up two days. The wind is now up. So uh, keeping your eye on the forecast is uh, crucial. I uh, go by uh, windfinder.com and type in Port Rush, and that will give you quite the analysis on the weather. Uh, within about 72 to 48 hours of the tournament, you can get the super forecast, which breaks it down hour by hour. I'm envious of your life, Spencer. Okay, so you're going to do the make-miss parlay. Explain to people what that is and some golfers that you've targeted. Yeah, the make-miss cut parlay. The rules for the Open Championship is the top 70 make uh, make the cut. Uh, this is different from the U.S. Open where it was the top 60 make the cut. The Masters is the top 50 and 10 strokes within. Uh, PGA Championship is the top 70. So what you're looking here is um, guys uh, that don't add up statistically or maybe not in the best uh, form for missed cuts. So grinding the statistical uh, data is key. Right now, like most of the people listening to this are American viewers, but a lot of Americans don't play overseas. So I'll be looking to target guys who struggle uh, overseas, like Bubba Watson. He might be on the, the missed cut or Luke List or someone like that. Uh, that generally don't play a lot of overseas golf. Uh, for makes, I'll be looking at a lot of Euros, uh, steady players like Fleetwood, Stenson. I mentioned earlier Rafa Correa-Bello has uh, some course history here. He's playing well at the Scottish Open. Really keeping a close eye at the Scottish Open this week to see what players are doing well and what players are doing not so well. Yeah, the Scottish Open still hasn't wrapped. I know a lot of people that that take a close look there at the Scottish and the Irish, and then that forms their pick for the Open Championship still about a week out almost. But as of this moment, if you had to pick one golfer to win, who do you think takes the final major? I'm going to go with Adam Scott. I think this is redemption for him. Uh, 33-1. to 
Uh, he gagged it away to Ernie Els. I think it was like six years ago or something like that. I just feel like he's been consistent. He ha- the only thing that worries me is he hasn't played since the U.S. Open. But if you look at uh, his last uh, three starts here, he's been solid. We're looking at uh, U.S. Open 7th, Memorial 2nd, PGA Championship 8th, even the Masters T18. Uh, he's got the ball striking. His putting has been phenomenal this year for him. I always used to joke that this guy, like him, Matsuyama, Casey, and I could play a, a foursome down at the mini putt-putt, and I could contend with these guys. Uh, he's ranked out in the top 25 for putting, so... I think he's a solid player, and if I had to pick one guy who has a little bit of value to him, that would be Adam Scott. I got to throw the Tiger question out there. You sure do. Going to contend? I can't see him contending. Brink top twenty. Uh, the weather with his back surgeries and everything like that. I just I can't be on Tiger this week. You know, I just don't see him being there. I mean, it'd be great for golf. Don't get me wrong. If he wins it, it'd be even better for golf. But I just, I'm not on Tiger Woods this week. Spencer McElmoyle at SpennyMac84. Uh, as we get closer and closer, best of luck adjusting your body clock, all right? Yeah, will do. I'm a night owl, so I love this. Perfect. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, thanks, Spenny. Yeah, take care. If you've missed any early odds, subscribe to the podcast, Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Type all that in. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Some good ones lately. Last week, we had Ed Miller on the logic of sports betting. A couple weeks ago, Michael Beller of Sports Illustrated on the second half of the baseball season. And speaking of baseball, Inside the Clubhouse is next on The Score. Best of luck, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.